0: First, we'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And also Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is God's word.
1: Thank you, Nicole. That was awesome. Thank you, worship team. I always love the awesome worship music to prepare my heart to receive the Word, and so hopefully it's done that for you this morning. Just want to greet you in the name of the Lord. I'm Pastor John, one of four pastors here at WCC, serving alongside Pastor Dan Hardy, Pastor Chris Shewitt, and Pastor Pat Braddy. And uh, I'm uh, privileged and honored to bring this to you this morning. And this is really the last sermon. It's the fourth uh, fourth in the series on parenting. And we actually just finished uh, the parenting seminar over the over the weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday. Some of you were some of you were there. So thank you for being there and and being diligent. Or uh, uh, persevering enough to be here this morning as well. It was a great time, actually. Uh, I learned a lot. I came away with some action items, you know, and that's that's what you do, right? You make your little notes. And and so I came away with some things that uh, were meaningful to my bride and I. And, and so um, we're going to get into this uh, this morning and uh, just let's just open in prayer. Lord God in heaven above, I thank you so much for your kindness towards each one of us. I thank you that you have assembled us here this morning to worship, to sing songs of praise to you, God, and to And to open our hearts to hear the things that you might have for us from your word. And by your spirit that you might apply learning to us, God. That we would grow and no longer be babes, infants and babes. But that we would grow into maturity in our knowledge of you, God. And that our lives would be fruitful and productive in front of you for your glory and for the benefit of man. And so, God, I pray that by your spirit you would attend with us this morning. Attend the preaching of the word, God. And attend those who hear it. And God, that would each one be edified. And so God, thank you for this time and, and uh, may, it be, may it be beautiful in your sight. And so I pray this in your precious name. Amen. So the direction for the sermon today is parenting into adulthood. So I noticed as I look around, a lot of you are parents of of younger kids, and there's some youth in here. So not necessarily does this this passage specifically apply to you right now in the stage of life that you're in, but but I think you should listen up anyway because you're here and I'm talking, and we, you know we got to let's just go through this, right? But but really, in truth. If you're the parent of a young child, ultimately they will get to the point where there will be a young adult and entering into adulthood. You need to know how to, how to approach that, right? And if you're uh, a, a, a young adult as it is, I look out and I see some young adults, it's important to know uh, what it is that should be your expectations for the relationship as well. Early on in our marriage, Kelly and I, we were in a vibrant faith community, and we were alongside many couples who were married about the same time as us, and we're going through the same uh, same challenges, same period of life, having children right alongside each other. And we were eager to learn alongside these people on this journey. We were all wanting to learn the greatest, latest and greatest things. So we, we, we read the books, and, and we did the... Parenting videos, and we did the parenting trainings and seminars, and we even followed some of the prescripted parenting models. And I felt like we had a really good handle on things as we navigated that early parenting period. Much of what we learned, we proved to be very helpful, and it, and it worked. <laughs> at the, and at that time and as time grew on, and as our children grew, the magnitude of the challenges also grew. And we struggled through, and arguably we did okay. The older the kiddos got, though, the more we found out our limitations. And, and we thought, man, this is a lot harder than we thought. We didn't have ready answers anymore. Indeed, the prescriptors, prescripted answers were nowhere to be found. As, as our oldest child hit her junior and senior year in high school, we came face to face with the reality that we really knew nothing, I certainly felt that I was a failure. I had missed the mark. I had no answers, and I had made some terrible mistakes as a father. Only by God's kind favor and His heavenly graces did we pass through those challenges of that period in my, with my first child as she was becoming an adult. So it is honestly quite humbling to be here today to speak to you about this topic, of parenting into adulthood. The other day, I was fellowshipping with my community group brothers Friday morning, and I, was, uh, I confessed to my dear brother about this role as, uh, as a father to adult children, how, how it at times it ties me in knots on the inside. Because I'm not big enough for the job. I'm not wise enough, and I'm not patient enough. I'm not forgiving enough. I'm not loving enough. I'm not brave enough to mount up and take on all the weighty challenges that are set before me to do. The whole matter of parenting and parenthood drives me all the more to His great presence. To cleave to Him. Because I'm not adequate to do this on my own. My bride and I, we're, we're not adequate to do this just by ourselves. The challenges are too great. The wounds and failings are too painful. The discomforts, the frets, and the worries and concerns about their futures, all of these can overwhelm the father and the mother. If any of this resonates with you, brothers and sisters, I urge you all the more to cling to the faithfulness of our Lord. Trust Him in all your ways to follow His paths, His ways, His word. He will meet you in the trials and see you through them. Remember, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, for parenting, it really helps to start with having the right vision, though, right? What is the, really the main goal of this parenting deal, anyway? Malachi, 2 talks about the marriage covenant, and we're going to I'll read you Malachi 2:15. It says this. Has not the one God made you? You belong to Him, body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. You see, our one God, He wants our marriages to produce godly offspring. He wants parents to raise children to love and obey Him so that they'd be his children too. Back in the early days of our marriage, when we were in such a lively community of of other young families, and our family was just starting out, God was so gracious to give me a a vision for this super important role he called us to. The picture was one where he was set above, shining in glory, as he looked down upon our family, and there we were all at his feet. There were many families there. There were my children and my children's children and so on. It was a beautiful picture of his will for all of us as godly parents that we will raise our children children who will truly love and follow him and likewise they will have children who will love and follow him. You see this parenting gig it's important. It has eternal value potentially to many Not only to your own children, but even to the generations that follow. So parents of young and old, have this in your heart and mind as you struggle with the things from diapers to drug use, from spilled milk to adult rifts, from spankings to the reconciliation of broken hearts, dropping out of college, sexuality, financial crises, and on. This is the ultimate goal of your parenting. Keep this in mind. Otherwise, you may get lost along the way, lose perspective, lose hope, maybe even lose joy. Now, we're not the ones to determine whether our children will ultimately be His sons and daughters, though, right? They have to work that out themselves before the Lord. But this big-picture view guides all the various duties and activities that we engage in as parents. Now, Proverbs two six that was read before, thank you, Nicole, again, it will be a focus for us for here for a few minutes. And you're familiar with this passage, right? You've heard it maybe a hundred times, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, keep in mind, this is a proverb, and it's a, it represents a generalized truth. It doesn't reflect what happens in every case. But as we look closely, that this single small proverb actually says quite a lot. First, it starts with the words, train up. This is the diligent, consistent, exhaustingly repetitive teaching and training and discipline that our children need in order to be molded and shaped for godly living. Ultimately, to prepare them for what they are designed to be. Parents, this training needs lots of repetition. My wife wanted to make sure I said that. Because, because the many times you, you see as a parent, I, I remember going through this myself. It's like, man, how many times have I taught them this and they still break it? It may exhaust you, but kids learn best by repetition. Deuteronomy says, 6 says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them. Press them into your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you, when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Effectively, Train, 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 and never stop training. Train wherever you go. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you're always training. And this training should largely consist in, in teaching them things, right? The Scripture doesn't say, discipline up your child in the way you should go. That's part of it. But it's train. Teach. Teach them what is right, what is wrong, how to behave. What are the household manners? How to interact with and treat other people. How to do stuff like cleaning this or fixing that. The various chores. Teaching them the heavenly truths. What to believe. What not to believe. How to respond in various circumstances and on and on. In a full sense, really all the things that pertain to life and godliness. On occasion, as the occasion may have it, and it will happen that this training does involve correction and discipline as an essential element. Next, it says, "A child." You see, this is a small children. This is the time for the rigors of this training, that is, the formative years. As children get older, they change. Then the training changes too. At a very young age, children are, by necessity, taught largely by rules and expected behaviors. They are taught the manners of the household, and they should be expected to comply with your wishes, the parents' rules. Some form of discipline is generally needed, at times, to shape the behavior of the child, to conform to the standards of the home. It's like in school, early, young school. The children are taught the rules of grammar, simple math, basic stuff, this is the first phase of learning for small children. It's pretty simple. Teach and train the basic stuff, and their job is to learn it and obey. As they get a little bit older, actually it doesn't take all that long, this instruction should be improved with explanation. This training can be more of an interactive discussion, and children can be, are able to think through things and apply reason to the various aspects of their training. They are growing physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. This phase of training is when the child is able to reason and start to put together more of the pieces. They better understand the the what, the how, and now also the why behind it all. In a parenting class yesterday, we talked about the concept of giving the child an opportunity to make an appeal. That's an early step in this phase of the learning. Now, the goal of all of this, all of these formative years of diligent, repetitive, consistent training and instruction with, coupled with loving guidance is that the child will ultimately embrace the heart and training of the parents and make it their own. A big change will happen ultimately It will happen when the, when the young adult expresses the things trained into them as if they owned it themselves. I find it very f- interesting that I've, I've seen parents in this, in this body who have diligently trained their sons and daughters. And, and even in the case where a son goes wayward, an adult son goes wayward, and no longer even wants to hold on fast to the, to, to the way, to the, to the heavenly truths, you know what I hear him saying? When he talks, he sounds, guess what? Sounds just like his dad. He's saying the same things. The things were implanted and they remain. So you want this change to happen and and you want it to become their own. It comes from within them at this point. It is now in their heart. They now willingly hold on to the things that were on point were at one point pressed into them from the outside. It may look differently, though. I kind of smile as I think about this. There are times when once a month we gather as a family at Grandma Ma's house. Everybody comes together. And often I will sit back and I hear the conversations that are happening around the room. And I hear my oldest daughter, Naomi, as she, she's speaking to her younger siblings. And I, and I just love, because what I, I smile, and I sit there and I, I hear the years of heavenly wisdom that we poured into her are now being issued out of her as she she counsels her younger siblings with a full sense of ownership. But she also has her her own special savor about it now. She's definitely improved upon the delivery that she had received. Thank God. And I appreciate her help. So this is a goal of our parenting, really, and it's a delight to see when our children start to enter into adulthood, into the age when they, when they now take ownership and accountability for the things that they hold to, the things that they believe in, the way that they will live. It says it like this in Proverbs 2. It says, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge Is pleasant to the soul. Our passage goes on. Says, in the way he should go. What is that? Of course, that's the right path, the way he should go, right? And Proverbs 1 says it this way: it sets the foundation for all the remaining things that are that are are said in in the Psalms 1 through 9, particularly. And says this: says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And as some would have it, that this phrase can mean according to who the child is or as he is capable. And I think it's better maybe said, according to how God has uniquely designed him. That is the way he should go. This takes on the idea that the parent must train the child with an intimate knowledge of who he is. It is important that we take a keen interest in knowing our children personally. What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What are their love languages? How social or verbal is he or she? How does he best learn? Do they learn better by words? By pictures? Or by doing things hands-on? Training an emotionally sensitive child can be very different from the training a child who is strong-willed and obstinate. Some, have a, some children have an innate desire to, to please and some have the uncanny ability to just rebel constantly, right? Some need more law and rules and structure, and others need more relationship and leeway. Each child is unique, and the loving guidance in the parent ought to take the child's physical and emotional stature into account. The proverb, in some sense, states and assumes that your instruction is, to be, is done as the Proverbs are written. Let me explain. The Proverbs are written in such a way that you, you feel the Father's love and affection for the Son. The early chapters of Proverbs, it says this many times, it starts out with, my Son. And when I hear that, when I read those passages, I'm just dripping with the love and affections of a dedicated Father who kindly urges his son to receive his instructions. It says, here's three occasions. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. And on and on and on. My son, my son, my son. The passages continue. Your instruction should be done in a gentle and good way, not in an overbearing or provoking manner. It should leave a good taste in their mouth, ultimately, although not likely in the immediate time. Your children should look back, though, upon their training years and have favorable feelings about the way that you treated and trained and guided and disciplined them. Hebrews 12.11 says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, right? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, when training and discipline are done with His vision in mind and with love and diligence, the end result will generally be good fruit, Kelly and I are very different from each other. We parent in completely different ways by the by God's design. Kelly is a rule follower. She thrives by having rules in place, a program and order for everything, something to measure by and hold accountable to. She likes and feels the need to have those rules in place. Not so much me. I'm more of a rule breaker. I like to operate with overarching principles, right? Here is the principle of the matter in this. And you should form, conform your behavior to underneath of this. It should inform how you live, right? And we've found that both of these are needed in our parenting Kiddos truly do need the structure that comes by way of rules and corresponding rewards and consequences. And thank God that she got to be the bad cop all these years. I got to be the good cop. I kind of like that. Not always, though, right? (laughs) But in the end, we found a balance was needed. And we didn't just want rule followers. We wanted those who would follow after the way (laughs) with their heart. And so we needed a balance. It is for you, the parent, to discover the various qualities of your child. It's a really hard job, especially if you have more than one child. If you have two or three or four, you may have many children. It's all the the more hard, right? And so you need the Lord at your side to accompany you in this path. Our passage continues. And really, that's why we're talking about this passage today, right? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, when you train up a child, the young one, in the way you should go and in the manner Scripture informs us, this will have a long-lasting impact on your child. Your child now may do well and go right down that goodly path that you, that you have laid out for them to walk in and they may go do it. Thank you, Jesus, that some do that. What a comfort it is when they do. But for many... Once they are beyond child, their child training years, they may wander astray from the path. Solomon, our author here, he did that, right? He strayed. I hope this, the hope of this passage is that having done these things as a parent, having trained diligently in the ways of heavenly wisdom, that the child has something very powerfully implanted in them to come back to they may very well at some point reflect favorably upon their childhood training and come to their senses. And we pray God for His kindness for all of our children who may be astray now, that He would lead them back to Himself. Now this is all for those who still have the time and opportunity to impact their children into adulthood. Well now, how about those whose children are already adults? or in transition into adulthood right now? When should a son or daughter be treated as an adult from this perspective? What, how to make that transition? What if we did not train up our child the way he should go? What if, or what if we did it badly? What to do now? Let's begin with a passage written by Paul. Nicole read it to us earlier. This is by Paul, written to the church of Thessalonica, which was a Successful, thriving Gentile church in that city. This passage gives us indirectly a window into the heart of how a mother and a father beautifully behave toward their children. In Paul's case, it was his spiritual children, and in, and in our case, it's related to, to our case of familial children. And I'll just read verse eleven and verses eleven and twelve. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father with his own adult children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Really, regardless of where you started from, or where you find yourself today in your relationships with your children, you have these guiding principles from Scripture as to how to relate to your children. The Apostle Paul is such a great example of a parent showing true love to his children. He says as much by saying, We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging. So should be our manner with our adult children, engaging our children with the deep affections of the loving father and mother, and not using or abusing the authority of being a father. At this point in your relationship, whether it is healthy and vibrant or if it is broken and needs repair, your role is now to encourage and comfort and counsel as much as the relationship will, will allow. In the parenting seminar yesterday, there, there was given the picture of a funnel. It's really like this, this V. How to, it's, it's a picture of training young children, right? You start at the bottom, and they, they have very little freedom and responsibility. And as they grow older, as they mature, so does their freedoms and responsibilities. And you just step up this thing all the way up. But there's, the funnel is always the, the guide, right? It's, always the, it's the training period that, that, that they're in. The reason for the illustration in, the, in this context is there's no more funnel, They've, they're out of the funnel now, right? As an adult child, you're no longer under the, under the, the, the training and, and, and discipline of your parents, right? You're free to go and live and do and be accountable to, the, to God above. There's my glasses. I hope I don't step on them. <laughs> right? So how do we love our son or our daughter as an adult? You, as a parents, one. So this really for those who are getting their kids into adulthood. You, as a parents, must put the former manner of training behind you. You have to let go. The time for commanding and disciplining comes to an end. This is the point in the passage when he is old begins. It starts when our son or daughter is more or less considered an adult. The age for this in our culture is 18 years old. My preference for this is to start considering my son or daughter an adult at about 15, 14, 13, 12, huh? No, really. Why not, right? We're training adults, right? When is it too early? They start driving at 16. Young men can enter the military and fight and die for the country when they're 18. And it's the same age when they're able to vote at the various levels, local and state and national levels in our country. Our culture says that they need to be ready by 18. Are they? And when he is old, it extends all the way for the rest of their days. I asked my oldest son the other day, kind young man, Saw fit to surprise me. This was just yesterday, actually. With a surprise visit. I always loved to see him. And I asked him. I said, I, I wanted some advice from him in terms of, do you have any advice for parenting young, you know, parenting young adults? From his perspective. You know what his immediate response was? Not to overparent. <laughs> you see, they get it, right? Parents, not so much. Parents always want to keep a hold, right? He expressed that it is nice to know that we are near to answer questions that he may have or in the case that he might want to need advice. What a big change, right? I no longer give a command. And in fact, I don't even remember the last time I gave him a command. And in fact, I rarely give a command to my 15-year-old son. Now for my 19-year-old, I give advice when he asks for it. I stand ready to give comfort and encouragement as he carries on in this new role in his life. But the days of being a commanding authority in his life is over. The other day he came to me seeking seeking advice. And you know he confessed something? He said, he put it this way He said, you know, Dad, this adulting thing, it's hard. And he was actually seeking advice. But it's so different. So I give him advice. And you know what? Beautiful young heart, he takes it. But now he owns it. I don't, how, what he does with that advice is fully up to him. For, mo, for the most part, the days are gone to instruct and command them on basic matters of life. So you have to change your manner. There ought to be no more of imposing of your will on them. Also, to love your son or daughter as an adult, you need to refrain from rescuing them from consequences. In fact, we should have started this long before, right? But Before they moved into adulthood. Parents in our culture are far more ready, willing, and able. They just want to swoop in and rescue their child from whatever it is, their bad choices or hardships that may come their way. Kelly and I, we call them helicopter parents because they hover around and they swoop in whenever their children need them. This is hard. We so love our children and we think that that love means to rescue them, which may very well be the last thing that they need. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Chris taught on the parable of the prodigal son. And I'll touch on that too a little bit, a couple of times this morning. So, the, the story of the prodigal son, it reveals much about the role of a wise father with an adult son. When the son declared that he was ready to go out on his own and lead his own life, command his own ways, the wise father released him and let him go. The scripture is clear that the father watched earnestly after his son, though, presumably hearing the news of his escapades, his losses. And his demise. But he restrained himself from saving his son. The father, he had the means to go and find his son at any point along the way. To redeem him from the situation. To rescue him and bring him home. But alas, he did not do that. This wise father knew that his adult son was in the loving hands of his heavenly father. The heavenly father was about a work. A work in the life of the child that required suffering. To bring the son to his senses, back to the heart of the father. You hear in the story that the son indeed, ultimately, remembered the beauty of the home and the relationships that he had spurned. It took suffering, but he did return to the heavenly wisdom. Taught so lovingly and diligently in the days of his youth. He made this choice on his own. He was not rescued, but he was was holy and holy loved before, during, and after. And this suffering resulted in a return like none other. Now he truly understood the love of his Father and embraced the heavenly wisdom that he had been taught in his formative years. This is also a time to unconditionally love. Your child. Now, this isn't new. You always unconditionally love your child, right? This just takes on new ground. They're out from being under your authority and and they're out there now making their own decisions. And guess what? You may not like the way that they conduct their life, maybe at odds with the way that you raised them and trained them. The time, though, to preach and teach is largely over. While you may find this ever so hard, It is important to love them whether they are following your ways or not. Whether they are making good decisions or not. Loving them in this stage means that you pursue and foster the new relationship. It's different now. You may may not be now the overarching authority in their lives anymore, but you can lead in some very important ways lead in forgiveness and reconciliation. In your own heart, it is important that you forgive your son or daughter for the things that they have done against you. Unless the slate is all tidy and clean already, there's work to be done here, right? Without any reciprocation from their, on their side, you need to forgive the violations of the past, the hurts, the lies, the thefts, the disappointments, the failures, the betrayals. Oh, those little ones will never do those things, right? Whatever they have done, it is hard. It's even impossible to have a beautiful adult relationship with a son or a daughter against whom you have grievances, grudges, or anger. So forgive. In the prodigal son example, again, Before we saw that the father was wise to allow the suffering of the son. Now now we see this is all the more more the story of a loving father who was ready from the start, waiting and eager, even desperate to see his son again, to show him complete and full forgiveness and acceptance and to do whatever he could do to restore the relationship unilaterally. What a beautiful picture of a loving and forgiving parent that is. Also, to ensure the adult relationship can flourish through the days of adulthood, you also need to seek their forgiveness for the things you have done against them, your son and daughter. Now, we have a funny example, kind of funny. It's not really, but it kind of is in our family. Kelly used to always have to herd the herd. You know, we had five, right? And so she's always herding them around. I was trying to get them out in the, you know, the cars, so take them to here and there and everything. And they were, it was a scattered group, but we had one particularly pesky youth that just never could be corralled. And so, so Kelly would go find Peter and grab him by the hair and lift him up and just Lead him wherever she wanted him to go, and usually it was right to the car. Get in the car, and it was just great frustration. And so we've we've had to talk about this as a family. We had to we had to seek peace forgiveness. You know, man, we shouldn't have treated you like that, but you were so bad. Yeah. <laughs> he forgave us, and now we can laugh about it. But uh, who would want to leave that potentially as a hurt? We might have diminished to you know his his person there, right? So search your own heart deeply. Take the lead. Go to your adult child and, and very simply and truly ask them to forgive you for the things you've done that hurt them. You likely will be able to recall some of the things that you've done to sin against your son or daughter. This can be very hard. You may well, you may well have forgiven them, but what if they harbor ill towards you for the things that you've done to wrong them? While this can be very hard to approach, the purpose and goal are very simple. You want to have a good and true relationship with them. Your heart needs to shine, shine through. Prepare yourself, though. You should be willing to accept the things that he or she may raise. Maybe you have forgotten some of the ills, and maybe, maybe you're oblivious to some of the things that actually hurt them. And you should be eager and ready to ask for their forgiveness. If you're not willing to do these things and you have a broken, relationship, broken or damaged relationship with your adult child, then you, can re- you cannot really expect to enjoy the goodness and happiness of a beautiful adult relationship with them. As Paul says we should, will you be able to love and comfort and encourage and counsel properly if you or they harbor ill in the relationship? Loving is giving. And in this sense, it's it's more giving up. This is the giving that, that means that you don't put yourselves, you, the parents, first in the relationship. It means that you don't put undue expectations on your adult child. Sometimes the greatest giving we can do is to give up. Give up what we want, what we expect. Give up on the demands for time with them. Give up controlling them. Give up putting them down. Judging them or providing negative feedback. Paul encouraged his spiritual children. He comforted them in their weaknesses. And he urged them gently and lovingly in the way. No guilt trips to get your way. No more preaching. No more judging harshly. Now I remember... As my daughter was entering into adulthood and she, she met who would ultimately be her husband, Jalen, we, we entered into marital, premarital counseling with him. We got the privilege in, of being able to do that with him. It was awesome. Now, Jalen knew of the special relationship Naomi had with her dad. Man, we were close, tight, bonds of enduring love bound us together. And Jalen was, I I looked at him, I think he was worried that, gee, this, how am I ever going to compete with that? And it was neat in the marital training, premarital training, to be able to let him know, Kelly and I, we're really, we want you to know, we are ready and willing to let you leave and cleave. Right, when you when you guys get married, we're we're not binding anymore. We're not the authority in Naomi's life anymore. And in fact, I told him, I said, "You're married in June." I said, "If I don't hear from you till Christmas, it's fine. You're your own you're your own family now. You can do as you wish." Thank God, it didn't take till Christmas. Right? They came. They came and wanted to be. But I wanted Jalen to know, and, and and I would see it in his countenance. He stood up taller. He could kind of tell this was. He knew that he got. He was going to be able to be the man. That it wasn't. I it wasn't going to be in competition with me. He got to be the man, and what a beautiful thing that was when they got married. And he stepped into that mantle of manhood and 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 headship in the marriage. It was a beautiful thing. Be available even in the even for your adult children. Just be available, but not encroaching. Try to create opportunities to connect. Of course, there's phone calls on Skype. We talked to... Diane here earlier about using FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah? Texting. You can do lunches and dinners and picnics and weekend getaways, things like that. Invite them into things. Just continue to share time together. But don't push. Just invite. Just lay out the opportunities. Provide the opportunities. Let them know that they are in your thoughts and prayers and truly commit yourselves to praying for them regularly. Ask them how you can pray for them as a regular part of your week or as often as you're able to connect with them. Remember now that in this phase, you're on equal footing with your adult son or daughter. Your relationship should be characterized by mutual respect. You may not always agree with your son or daughter but now it is for you to allow for the differences to exist. While at the same time not judging or condemning, but keeping a warm and friendly heart towards your child. I'm going to close with an illustration. I made it up. But as I was meditating through, through this, I, was, I, always, I like earthly examples, and maybe you might too. But I was looking out in our backyard and I was admiring... The tree. We have a nice tree right outside of our patio window. It's, it's shaped really nicely and, and it goes up and it's got a canopy. And I, and I was reflecting about how I planted that when it was this big around. It was a teeny little thing. And every year and even multiple times through the year I would, I would shape the tree. I would cut limbs off. I would discipline the child because I wanted it to take a certain shape, a good In beautiful shape, right? Ultimately, and through the years, we 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 took a lot out of the tree in its shaping. I remember there were times kids were up there taking limbs out from all areas of the tree. There was more tree on the ground than there was that remained. But the tree flourished and it was beautiful. And now, some twenty years later, the tree is shaped beautiful. I don't have to touch it anymore. It's an adult. Now it's, it's free to do whatever, whatever it's designed to do, to just reach its branches and leaves toward the sun that gives it strength, right? It's a beautiful picture of, of what it can be like when you raise and train your children in the way you should go. It doesn't always work out that way, though, because I have another tree, actually, in my yard. And this tree, I planted at this, about the same time, some 20 years ago, and we trimmed it and shaped it, and it took on a reasonably good shape. You know, but it's off to the side, and we kind of neglected it. And as time and went on, certain weather conditions happened to it, I was assailed by certain things, and it became weak. And I didn't notice. and there are cracks that formed. In the, in the very trunk of the tree, and I never saw it, right? And then it came about one day that there was a storm, and the storm assailed the tree, and the tree, <laughs> main trunk up in the air splits in two, and a big part of the tree lays down on the ground. And I was brokenhearted because my child was broken. So what I did, though, is... We went out. <laughs> it wasn't just me, mostly a muscle, muscle man over there we went out and we chopped off that big thing. We cleaned up the mess, right? We cleaned up the mess, put it away. <laughs> but we didn't fix the tree was still damaged. It still had its wound. It was still up there, cracked, wide open. And it wasn't until later that I realized I loved that tree and I didn't want to see it die, right? I wanted to see it live. So I spent the big bucks, and I had the guys come over, and we we bound up that tree. We trimmed it up. We put the bolts through and the cables to bind up that wound so the tree would survive, and so that it too, on promise, would one day again be healthy and reach toward the sky, and to be able to To fulfill its purpose in life again, right? That's a picture of a child. An adult child. You may have wounds. You may have some things that have gone wrong. Some things that need to be fixed and repaired. The time is now. Be the loving father. Be the loving mother. Now go pursue the tree. Do the painful process to see that it can... Once again, be what God wanted it to be. Okay, we're going to close now. I'll just close in prayer. Lord God, in heaven above, I love your word. I, I, we treasure the fact that you give us instruction on how to be the parent of children from, from the time that they're wee ones in diapers, suckling and nursing at our side through the years of when they need the hands-on, day-to-day, repetitive, consistent, exhausting training. And ultimately, God, to see that they will rise up and become adults of their own. And we pray, God, that you'd have your hand upon our families, that you'd help us as parents to keep the relationship with our children in the right way. God, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts to forgive and to seek forgiveness, God, to, to ensure that our children can be everything that you wanted them to, to be, that, that the training that was imparted to them when they were young, or even if that was missing, God, that you would, you would come alongside us as parents to be able to still lead and direct and influence our children, to rise up and to live to the glory of the one who shines down upon us. And so, God, we commit this to you. We ask that you would strengthen us through the many rigors and challenges that we will face in parenting. But we know we can do it, not in, a, in, a, in the strength of our own, but we know we can do it because we have you, a great counselor who, who lives and abides with us and is our strong tower. And so, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Am I on? Alright. So we know that the, the ultimate vision for parenting, right? Is to raise godly offspring. And the main vehicle for that is love. And so I'm going to read to you out of, the, out of uh, 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, Love suffers long. And is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Lord God in heaven above, I pray that this body and each soul herein, God would be filled with the love with your love and that they would be able to love others, love their children in such a way as to never lose hope, to always believe, to always hope, to always persevere and to never fail. And God, in our weaknesses, when we do fail, God, lift us up, I pray. And encourage our hearts in Yourself. Amen. All right, go and have a great week.